This is FX Medicine. I'm Andrew Whitfield-Cook. Joining us on the line today is Professor Stephen Myers, who's the director of the NatMed Research Unit based at Southern Cross University in New South Wales. He's one of Australia's leading academics in natural, complementary and integrative medicine. He has qualifications in naturopathy, Western medicine and pharmacology. He's raised over $8 million in research funding, managed over 50 clinical trials looking at the pharmacology of natural products in a wide range of conditions. He supervised 17 higher degree research students, authored three books, 10 book chapters, 93 peer-reviewed research papers and numerous papers for the professional press. He's also acted as a consultant to industry, government and academia across a broad range of issues. Welcome to FX Medicine, Stephen. How are you? I'm good, thanks, Andrew. Now, Stephen, the Medical Board of Australia, the MBA, have put out a proposed guideline. Can you take us through what this is, please? Well, it's a consultation paper that, certainly on reading it, I actually found it to be um, very strange, I think is probably the appropriate word to use first. Uh, What it actually does is to group three groups of medical practice under one umbrella, and you have to actually ask why. Uh, The background uh, within the consultation paper says, feedback has been received from stakeholders that additional guidance for medical practitioners is needed in relation to the practice of complementary and alternative medicine by medical practitioners. Now, I find that very interesting that the medical board has received feedback from stakeholders. Who those stakeholders are, they don't actually tell us. It's not transparent. But I can tell you that the stakeholders aren't the Australian Integrative Medicine Association, which is the peak professional body, and it's not the Australian College of Nutritional and Environmental Medicine, which is the peak educational body for doctors. These groups were not consulted. Uh, It would appear that none of my colleagues in higher education who have got a medical background and an understanding of complementary and integrative medicine were consulted. So there seems to be no widespread consultation within the field of integrative medicine, but they've put a consultation paper together because they've had feedback from stakeholders. So I'm very concerned about the providence of this paper and its lack of transparency. It clearly targets complementary and alternative medicine, and literally they make a case um, for risk that's actually only there because they include these other medical groups in an amalgamated definition. What do you mean by an amalgamated definition? Well, what they actually do is they put... um, Uh, complementary medicine, unconventional medicine and emerging therapies into one definitional framework. And I've got great concern about that because generally when you define something, you're doing it because those things have things in common. Now, the only thing that those three things have in common are the fact that the medical board considers them to be outside the province of conventional medicine, which is one of the things that the actual definition uh, refers to. So the definition actually states, complementary and unconventional medicine and emerging treatments include any assessment, diagnostic, 
technique or procedure, diagnosis, practice, which they define, and I'll come back to, medicine, therapy, or treatment that is usually, that is not usually considered to be part of conventional medicine, whether used in addition to or instead of conventional medicine. This includes unconventional use of approved medical devices and therapies. So it's this wide-ranging definition that merges these three things together. So firstly, we have to say, what's unconventional medicine? So unconventional medicine would be a medical practitioner prescribing uh, a known uh, pharmaceutical drug, um, not only sort of off um, uh, its claims, but but uh, in a way that would not be able to be understood by other conventional medical doctors. So that's unconventional medicine. Emerging therapies are things like stem cell therapies. Now, integrative medicine doctors who practice complementary medicine don't prescribe um, medical drugs um, off their uh, the, the claims that are made for them because they're actually interested in the uh, the best therapy for patients and they're not going to be unconventional in that way and they don't use stem cell therapy. So why you have to actually ask are they putting these three things together? And the only reason that I can actually come up with is that the definition is political and not scientific. It actually concerns me that there have been um, times in history that people round up different groupings of people and the only reason that they actually round, round them up is the fact that they um, hold views that are considered to be antithetical, uh, that they're actually not considered to be um, uh, doing the right thing. So this is a political definition. It's not scientific. Because they're um, failing to say that this is a political definition, I'd actually go so far as to say that it's a piece of pseudoscience and you know, let me define pseudoscience. Pseudoscience is somebody who is attempting to do something scientifically where science isn't involved and it's for other purposes. And that's what I believe the medical board is doing, that they're actually putting these three groups together so that they can make a case against complementary and integrative medicine, which is unfounded. The risks that they talk about, the only risks that they can find are for unconventional medicine and for emerging treatments. They they quoted death from stem cell therapy. That's got nothing to do with the practice of complementary medicine by integrated um, medical practitioners, whether they be specialists or whether they be general practitioners. So to try and make a case against complementary medicine by putting it in with a bunch of of other practices is unfounded. It's not scientific, it's not evidence-based, and it's very inappropriate. Yeah. It actually smacks to me like of suppression. And indeed, I was following on from what you were talking about, the strange use, if you like, of, of drug therapies. I, I remember um, hearing about one sports doctor who was using uh, low-dose antibiotics, not for acne, and not because it was below its um, minimum inhibitory concentration, it's MIC, um, for an antibiotic use. Indeed, he was using it in sports people for its inhibition effects of interleukin-1b so that they could play while having a cold 
Um, and so that to me is off label, not, 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 not off label, but a very strange use of a drug, which isn't followed by any science whatsoever, but that's a drug. That's a pharmaceutical. What I'm picking up here is that by including integrative and complementary therapies, it's actually suppressive of any investigation whatsoever into researching these to see if they can help. Well, I mean, that's actually an interesting um, topic to actually take up because the way that the medical board defines practice is actually quite frightening. It says that practice is not restricted to the provision of direct clinical care. So I'll repeat that. Practice is not restricted to the provision of direct clinical care. It also includes using professional knowledge in a direct non-clinical relationship with clients, working in management, administration, education, research, advisory, regulatory or policy development roles, and any other roles that impact on safe, effective delivery of services in the profession. Now, I actually am concerned that if we actually would take this to uh, our civil libertarian friends, that they're actually infringing upon the civil liberties of uh, of doctors that educate, research, and advise about complementary medicine. Um, the way that this is actually written legally, if I was to actually uh, put up an alternative to what I considered to be an unsafe delivery of a medical service that might affect the delivery of that medical service, I would actually be in breach of uh, researching, advising, or advocating something that was considered to be um, inappropriate for orthodox medicine. That smacks to me of thought police. It smacks to me mm. of... Uh, a situation where we want to not only suppress the people that actually undertake these roles, but we want to make sure that they can't talk, they can't research, they can't advise, they can't engage in policy development. It, uh, it's, it's bizarre. I mean, to actually go that far with such an all-encompassing definition of practice, I consider it to be an invasion of my civil rights and my academic independence. What I research should be up to a Human Research Ethics Committee, duly constituted under the National Health and Medical Research Council, that actually decides what's ethical research, not the Medical Board of Australia deciding something is actually uh, not uh, in within the area that they consider to be appropriate for conventional medicine. Which brings us actually on to another, you know, delightful part of this definition is that the primary comparator they're using is conventional medicine. Now, the interesting thing is that they don't define conventional medicine. And what do they mean by conventional medicine? You know, given that, you know, it's estimated that 30% of Australia's general practitioners, about 10,000 of them, use complementary medicine in one form or another as a component of their clinical practice, um, I'd argue that integrative medicine is part of conventional medical practice. Is conventional medicine something that uh, is, um, uh, you know, a defence of the walls of medicine by an old guard, you know, for medicine as they remember it? It may not necessarily mean medicine as, as, it, is, as it is today. You know, is conventional medicine um, a decision by an elite within medicine? Is conventional medicine a democracy? 
is conventional medicine something that's scientifically based? And if it is, does it move with evidence? Uh, all of those questions are sort of unanswered in regards to comparing somebody who practiced complementary medicine with conventional medicine. And again, you know, I'd actually argue that a lot of the doctors who practice complementary medicine as part of medical practice, they're actually reading the literature. They're seeing what is actually evidence-based and they're incorporating it into their practice. They're expanding their therapeutic options. They're following the Australian Medicines Guideline um, and what's called the Quality Use of Medicine concept where at any time you think of picking up a prescription pad, you need to consider all of the options, you need to communicate all of the options to your patients, and then allow your patient to choose what is the appropriate option for them in consultation with you. And I'd actually say that the doctors who are practicing integrative medicine are much more on top of what patients' options are than many of the people that are practising what, inverted commas, you call conventional medicine. Mm, mm. Well, what, therefore, are the future implications? Well, the thing that the consultation paper ends up with is a set of guidelines uh, to govern um, the practice in this particular field. And I think the thing that I would say is that And, you know, I believe that all of my medical colleagues practicing integrative medicine would agree that there should be one set of good practice guidelines for all doctors. There shouldn't be one set of guidelines for one group of doctors and another set of guidelines for another set of doctors. There should just be one set of guidelines. Otherwise, we create arbitrary fields in medicine. And you'll probably end up with a two-tiered medical system. You know, those people that are... You know the good, the good children that actually do the right thing, and those that are the wayward children. And the minute that you create those sorts of tiers, um, inevitably people will come along and expand those divisions in various ways. You know, if this was done properly, if the medical board had have actually decided to consult people in the field and let's see if we can actually tackle, you know, these inverted commas concerns that they got from stakeholders in an appropriate way, they might have had a discussion with Amor and Acknum about creating a GP speciality in integrative medicine, which would actually be worthwhile. But creating a set of guidelines that actually defines people practicing in this field um, as different from the good practice guidelines for other doctors is not the way to actually travel. Given the fact that this definition Uh, has been cobbled together um, politically and not scientifically, Uh, we're calling for the Medical Board of Australia to actually withdraw this consultation, to go back to do their homework properly, to talk to uh, the peak medical groups that are actually involved in this area, to engage with academics that are actually working in this field and to come back and do this exercise if it requires being done in a way that's much more conciliatory, that's much more engaging, uh, that uh, you know follows the, the concepts um, of COAG. Well, what's COAG? Um, COAG is the Council of Australian Governments and they have principles for best practice regulation. 
Now, the medical board believe that they're actually following these principles, but I think that that's actually open to fairly wide interpretation. So one of the COAG principles is whether the proposal is the best option for achieving the proposal's stated purpose and protection of the public. Well, the public doesn't need to be protected by doctors who practice complementary medicine. They may need to be protected by doctors who practice stem cell therapy, and they may need to be protected by doctors who practice unconventional medicine, but they don't need to be protected by doctors that practice complementary medicine. As I pointed out, you know, you can't make an argument about safety if you were to actually just look at complementary medicine alone. And so they've had to cobble these things into one definition to be able to protect the public, inverted commas. So I think if you look at the COAG principles and realise that this is a construct that has no basis in science, then it can't possibly meet the COAG principles because it's actually a construct that's being put there for political purposes that isn't actually setting out um, to either do um, what they think it's setting out to do or to actually protect or inform the public. And, you know, one of the COAG principles is, you know, basically that um, they are doing so in a way that the cost and the understanding um, of the benefits achieved are understandable to the public and the people that uh, um, it's set out to affect. And I have to say, if you read this document, and if anybody in the public were to read this document, they would not be able to understand what they're setting out to do, especially if you've got um, a general grounding in what complementary medicine is. You mentioned adverse effects before, and these get widely publicised in the media. But when you actually look at adverse effects from complementary medicine versus orthodox pharmacological medicines, they pale into insignificance. So why is this raised as such an issue with complementary and integrative medicine? Well, there are lobby groups that have actually made it their life's purpose to actually try and suppress complementary medicine. And, you know, one of the things that I find, you know, I guess at best I find amusing, um, but at worst I actually find it, you know, um, disturbing, is that there are medical doctors who are spending their lives trying to stop complementary medicine where it's hard to point at bodies. You know, it's hard to actually find where there's any significant safety impact of complementary medicine. Yes, we can point to the potentiality of drug-herb interactions, etc., but the reality is that they're relatively rare in the community, and we actually had a good handle on some of the ones that really need to actually be looked at. And then when you compare that to iatrogenic um, disease, which is, you know, disease actually caused by um, doctors, either by um, practicing negligently or because of the fact that medicine actually has substantive risk associated with it, we're talking about, you know, 40,000 deaths a year in the hospital system and greater when people start to look at this. And why these medical doctors who, you know, are generalists in their own field aren't focusing to get their own house in order and decrease the amount of morbidity and mortality caused by doctors practicing medicine, I find stunning. You know, part of the whole concept of complementary medicine is try a gentle option where the cost 
risk analysis is um, far less than uh, than you know a prescription drug or a surgery where appropriate. You know, and I, you know, I have to emphasise where appropriate. One of the things that's, you know, very clear is that each individual needs to be triaged and treated, you know, on the basis of where they arrive in the medical system, whether it's to see a general practitioner or a hospital emergency department. But, you know, there's evidence that actually suggests that if somebody that comes in and they've got mild depression, let's give them some John's wort first up and see how they go before they're prescribed an antidepressant that has significant side effects. Uh, you know, let's give them acupuncture for their pain before we fill them with opioids. Uh, you know, there's evidence to actually suggest that there are ways of actually dealing uh, with common conditions, both acute and chronic, that actually are well evidence-founded and better for the patient in the long run if they actually work. Why you would want to attack that um, you know, with all the fervor of your being, I don't understand. You know, when there are so many things in medicine that need to actually be, you know, looked at and and um, uh, and argued against. You know, the unnecessary surgeries that are taking place in um, obstetrics, in orthopedics, um, the unnecessary uh, prescriptions of drugs that are that are, are off indication that occurs across multiple fields within medicine. There's lots of fodder uh, for people within the medical fraternity to actually look within to get their house in order. Why they set up to attack complementary medicine, um, I don't know. I don't understand their motivation. Indeed, this was recently highlighted in the JAMA Internal Medicine 2019. Um, I was reading about it in OzDoc, uh, I think it was the end of February. Um, there were seven procedures that do more harm than good, and, and this was an, uh, an assessment of patient records in New South Wales hospitals. And I just think it's staggering that there's this suppression of, as you, as you say, not just the practice, but also the inquiry into what works. And it, look, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But you can't tell it doesn't work if you don't do the inquiry. Well, I think the thing that's actually interesting is that there's a body that actually lobbies against uh, complementary medicine courses in universities. And all they achieve is when those courses get closed down is that we lose another bunch of researchers. Yet at the same time, they say, oh, we're all in favour of research. But they've probably done more to actually suppress research than they've ever done to encourage it. And this is my concern, is that if you suppress research, you suppress, suppress those investigations which may actually be helping our ailing and ageing population in a cost-saving measure. This has been shown in the Alfred Hospital, for instance, where um, by a very simple um, inclusion to cardiac surgery patients, they were saving $2,300 per patient episode per, per hospital stay. Um, that's money-saving for the Australian government. Yes, well, the National Institute for Complementary Medicine, NICM, did some work a number of years ago that showed significant cost savings associated with a number of evidence-based complementary medicine practices. So not only do we actually have the evidence that um, a number of interventions within complementary medicine are effective, but they would actually save significant amounts of money if they were actually implemented. So rather than rather than this constant attack in the field, 
um, and the you know the sensationalism that actually occurs um, within the media. It's about time that complementary medicine got invited to the table for a rational dialogue. You know, one of the things that I've been calling for is is to actually have a level playing field where we start to actually have a serious discussion about uh, how uh, complementary medicine and conventional medicine can actually work effectively together for the health of all people. I totally agree with you. Indeed, in the U.S., Many universities are now embracing integrative medicine and including them in their course structure. Um, and they're talking with orthodox medicine, I would ostensibly think, because of this need for cost saving. So I don't get why it's trying, it's, there's an attempt to suppress it in Australia. I completely agree with you, Andrew. I don't understand it either. And, you know, there are moves afoot in the United States for broader recognition of medical practitioners that work in uh, this area, you know, that you can actually um, get a, a recognised medical qualification for having a speciality um, in lifestyle medicine, for instance, in the United States, something that's vitally uh, needed in Australia. You know, there should be some way of recognising the doctors that have actually trained in aspects of integrative medicine that actually acknowledge the work that they've actually done, you know, rather than actually, you know, frightening their cotton socks off. Uh, you know, one of the things that a psychiatric colleague pointed out to me last night is that this paper uh, is akin to institutional bullying. Yes. You know, we already... Um, in Australia have an incredibly high suicide rate among medical practitioners. There are immense amounts of stresses that are on top of them. And rather than come out and consult with the field, to come out of nowhere with a consultation paper that puts complementary medicine in with fringe practices uh, has caused a lot of concern about it, uh, amongst integrative doctors in this country. And it's pressure that was unnecessary, it's pressure that's actually inappropriate, and it's also pressure that's not rational. You know, it's not based on any real safety concerns. Uh, the, the thing that I keep coming back to in regard to this paper is that it's the amalgamation of complementary medicine in with other forms of medicine that do have risks associated with them that allow them to make a case against complementary medicine. Uh, you know, I challenge them to make that case outside of um, this political definition that they've actually made. What about the concept that's been thrown around by the people that wish to suppress complementary medicines, that complementary medicines both A, are dangerous, and B, don't work? How can you have that juxtaposed action? Well, I, you know, I think we need to actually look at this in a much more sophisticated way than what they're actually saying. So to actually say that they actually don't work needs to be stacked up against a very large body of scientific evidence to actually say, well, the evidence is there that they actually do work. And secondly, a lot of complementary medicines, especially things like herbal medicines, are based on a tradition of use. And... When that tradition of use is put to the test, um, we find very high scientific concordance. And, you know, that's, you know, potentially a topic for another day is the value of the traditions 
that underlie a lot of complementary medicine in terms of what they find. One of the concerns by uh, detractors is that they take away from following standard medical care, but this medical board paper is dealing with individuals who've got a standard medical degree that are in clinical practice that are are um, actually trained to actually ensure that they're not giving a complementary medicine out when somebody needs to actually be referred to a specialist because of a given problem. Uh, they need to have a diagnostic test because they've got a given problem. So those things are less likely to occur uh, by integrated medical practitioners. So that's another argument that actually falls by the wayside. When they say they're unsafe, where's the evidence? You know, and I have no doubt that somebody can point to a body somewhere and somebody can point to, um, you know, somebody who's actually done something that's inappropriate. Uh, and, you know, I would acknowledge that those things happen on both sides of medicine. You know, that there are potentially, you know, there are there are people who practice bad medicine and, you know, unfortunately, while I would love to say there are none in the field of integrative medicine, I'm sure that there are a couple. But the reality is that it's very hard to make a safety issue against complementary medicine. Um, somebody who actually, you know, specializes in determining risk actually did a thing called a bubble graph. And if you could actually, you know, imagine a bubble the size of one of those balls that uh, they had in gyms uh, on a page, um, the individual found it very difficult to put complementary medicine on the same graph. They had to put a single dot and they had to actually acknowledge that they'd actually expanded it because the risk of complementary medicine is virtually negligible in comparison to the risk of conventional medicine. So I'm not sure uh, where they, you know, get this argument that it's actually unsafe because it's unfounded. It only takes a very quick investigation of the DAEN, the Database of Adverse Event Notification. You can do your own search. You can search whatever drug you want, whatever nutrient or herbal supplement that you want, and those notifications are comparable, So, sorry, are able to be compared. And as you say, they pale into insignificance once you look at them on like a bubble graph. Why do you think they're harping on about safety? Well, look, you know, I I have written um, about safety and I've written about toxicity, but I actually also need to actually uh, put that into context. There are safety issues that we need to be aware of. Uh, there are toxicity issues that we need to be aware of, but the reality is that these things are significantly safer than... Uh, the standard therapies that are widely used by my medical colleagues. And uh, the reason for that is that they're, gen they're, they're generally much gentler interventions. And when somebody actually really does need a prescription drug or uh, a surgical technique of some sort, their condition has progressed to a point where the risk of the condition is such that the the, the physical um, risk of the intervention is significantly less. 
And, you know, doctors have to make these risk decisions on a daily basis within our hospital systems. And I I fully acknowledge that. I fully acknowledge the appropriateness of of those sorts of risk decisions. But if you actually you know, do the risk decision about complementary medicine, you'd have to actually say that um, in terms of its comparators in drugs and surgery, it's a much, much safer form of therapy, uh, which is one of the reasons why the public are attracted to it. And it's one of the reasons why integrative medical doctors have taken it up in the first place, because it offers a softer, safer option. It's not the whole story, but it's a softer, safer option for many people and for many people with chronic conditions where um, conventional medicine doesn't have the answers. I think the concern about these guidelines is that they're actually trying to set up a, an us and them. And I don't think that that's actually appropriate. Uh, they've done so, they say, because stakeholders have actually communicated to them uh, that these things need to happen. It seems to me to be absurd that if you've got somebody making a complaint that you don't go along to the people that the complaint is made about and actually ask them, do you think these complaints are warranted? Instead, what they've done is come out with a consultation paper that's actually merged complementary medicine in with a range of, of other types of practice that have risks associated with them and the only way that they can actually justify complementary medicine being there is because these other practices have risks associated with them. You know, I, I would join with other uh, doctors, with the uh, the um, with AMA, the Australasian Integrative Medicine Association, in calling for the medical board to withdraw this consultation paper to actually consult the groups who they believe uh, they need to actually work with and uh, undertake this process in a much more collegiate way. Now, it's not just you and AMA and ACNEM, but what about integrative medicine practitioners out there? I'm assuming that this is going to be restricted to medical practitioners who um, are MBBS in Australia because we're dealing with the Medical Board of Australia, correct? Well, I think um, the the Medical Board of Australia are calling for submissions. I think the first thing that the public and and other practitioners need to call f- to to actually respond with is that uh, the definition is pseudoscientific and political. That complementary medicine shouldn't be linked to unconventional medicine or emerging therapies. That no case can be made uh, for there being a significant safety issue and that the medical board should actually retract the paper. That's the first thing. The second thing is to actually uh, deal with this consultation as though it's viable and answer the questions. And the the reality is that the medical board basically gives you two options. One option is status quo, and the second option is to actually implement these new practice guidelines. Well, if we're only given two options at the moment, we would say let's stay with the status quo and let's work collegiately to actually uh, develop additional guidelines to the practice guidelines for all doctors. When is the close-off for submissions to the MBA for medical practitioners to make? 
Um, the official closing date for feedback to the Medical Board of Australia is the 12th of May. It's a very important time for the health of all Australians and those who care for them. Thanks for taking us through these critical points today, Professor Stephen Myers. My pleasure, Andrew. This is FX Medicine. I'm Andrew Whitfield-Cook. The 7th Bioceuticals Research Symposium is a unique opportunity to hear from world leaders in the field of integrative and complementary medicine. To be held from the 3rd to the 5th of May 2019, the symposium will focus on the latest research and clinical strategies for managing mood disorders, cognitive impairment and neurological disturbances. Keynote speakers will include Professor Dale Bredesen, whose research has led to new insights into Alzheimer's disease and has opened the door to a new therapeutic approach. World-renowned neurologist Dr Jay Lombard will demonstrate how he utilises genetic testing to improve neuropsychiatric conditions, including depression and anxiety. Pioneering dietitian Amanda Archibald, who's opened the door to the exciting emerging discipline of culinary genomics, and Dr. Brandon Brock, leading functional neurologist and nutritionist, who'll outline a unique and integrated understanding of neurology, blending nutrition, pharmacology, immunology, and endocrinology. Each expert will demonstrate practical approaches to applying this rapidly growing body of knowledge to create effective treatment strategies for even the most complex cases. For more information and to register for this event, visit the Bioceuticals website and click on the Education tab.